0: Hear the word of the Lord from Matthew 24, verses 36 to 44. But about that day and hour no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Let us pray. Lord, use your servant's lips, your people's ears and hearts, that as they are joined together today, the seed of your word would be planted and brought forth with a resurrection joy. Amen and amen. Getting sleepy is probably a bad title for a sermon on the Sunday after Thanksgiving. When we have eaten too much turkey, and you know what turkey does, it puts you to sleep, puts me to sleep more than anything else. My family says I have an amazing ability in the midst of 19 people, simply to sit down, lean back, and fall asleep. But the sleep we're talking about today is more of an alertness and preparedness than it is a literal sleepiness. It is an alertness and preparedness for the coming of the Messiah. I was looking back at Hebrews this week and came across this verse when it spoke of the judgment of God. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And sometimes we forget. We forget that when we come to worship, heaven and earth meet that we are in fact standing in the presence of the one who created the stars who set the moon in its orbit who made our solar system and everything beyond it we forget that we stand in the presence of a mighty god who fought creation into being and just as quickly could bring creation to an end It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, and so we speak of the Lord's return. The Greek word is parousia. You've probably seen that if you've been in Sunday school for 20 years. It means coming. The coming of Jesus is what we celebrate. We celebrate in Bethlehem Jesus' appearance and coming. You can even go to the altar in Bethlehem and place your hand in this circle of, of, of brass and, and place your hand on the rock upon which it is said Jesus was born. And I think to myself, having observed three of my own children being born, that it's much more comfortable to have a baby in 2000 than in, in the year 3 B.C., The Lord's return, He has come, and yet we just said in the Apostles' Creed, He ascended into heaven. Jesus has come and He has returned to the right hand of the Father. And from thence He shall come to judge the quick, the living, and the dead when He comes again. Christian theology reminds us that Jesus came, Jesus comes, Jesus will come again. It is past, it is present, it is future. Jesus came in Bethlehem of Judea. Jesus comes on those mornings when we have Holy Communion. We say, make this be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be. For the world, the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood, we believe that Jesus comes wherever two or three are gathered in my name. There am I among them, Jesus says, and we believe that he will come again. But about that day and that hour, no one knows. Neither the angels nor the Son, but only the Father. If you go back and look at the number of times in the past, 102 years that people have predicted the end of the world, just those that made the news, that influenced society in some ways. I counted 91 times since 1920 that we have been told the world is probably going to end. You all remember when more happened than we, we ever imagined would. More people came out of the woodwork saying, the world is going to end in the year 2000. All of our computers are not going to work. You won't be able to start your car. You won't be able to buy gas or groceries. And as it turned out, in a Midwestern town, several parking meters stopped working. And all of that came. We've had names such as Chuck Smith, Hal Lindsey, Pat Robertson. They all had dates that they put on. Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins suggested that the year 2000 was probably going to be the end of the world before they thought about it some more and changed their minds. Many of you remember 11 years ago, Harold Camping for the second or third or fourth time, predicted that the world was going to end with such sincerity and certainty that many of his followers sold all of their possessions or left their house with the door wide open because they wouldn't be needing any of their goods anymore and they bought RVs and drove them around the United States proclaiming the good news that the world was going to end on May 21st, 2011. I don't know what you would do if you found out you had three months to live. But a lot of these folks, when they found out they had three months to live, left their families and their neighborhoods and went and spent what they thought was the last three months of the world with perfect strangers. 91 times in 102 years. We've been told that the world is probably going to end, and yet we find in the gospel about that day and hour no one knows. Neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. The timing of the end is a mystery. It can't be computed. It's a fool's errand to try to figure out that which is purposefully obscured. But what we do know about it is that the end will come when things are normal and then they are not. As in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. As in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark and they knew nothing of the flood until it came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man when the world is normal and then it's not. You and I live our entire lives. You and I live every. Moment that we have under the watchful gaze of God, and what we are told is that how we live here and now, what we do here and now, the faith we have here and now, the way that we relate to other people here and now matters. It's the ordinary stuff—the eating, and drinking, and marrying, and giving in marriage. The everyday stuff of our ordinary lives is under the watchful gaze of God. The time that we have matters. The years and the seasons, the months and weeks and days and hours and seconds, they matter. Because everything we do, all that we are, our thoughts, our motivations, our actions take place under the watchful eye of God. And we know there's a suddenness that can change it all. You have probably, if you've lived long enough, experienced one of these pivotal moments where life was heading in this trajectory and suddenly it was not. The doctor brings back the MRI And life changes. You get a phone call about a loved one or a friend. And life changes. There is a suddenness. Two will be in the field. One will be taken. And one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together. One will be taken. And one will be left. So when we recognize that life can move from normal to not normal, that there is a suddenness with which we may encounter an ending, how are we live? What are we to do in light of this knowledge and this understanding? Jesus is clear. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house get broken into. Therefore, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. So, in light of this doctrine of the church that history is linear, it has a beginning. It has an end. And in between, there are lots of cycles. There are many things that happen. But in the beginning, there is an end in sight, in mind. This return of the Lord to make all things whole. To make the broken mended. To make the weak strong. To make those who are lost be found. The first become last. And the last first. How are we to live? Jesus commends a general attitude in life. An attitude of preparedness, an attitude of readiness, an attitude of watching and praying and being sober-minded and making good use of the time as we increase in faith and in hope and in love. Jesus commends this general attitude that should color our entire existence from the time when we have awakened from our sleep and recognized that God who made us loves us and calls us into union with Him and into wholeness and holiness calls us to watch and pray to make the most of the time and to increase In faith, in hope, and in love. We can be awake, or we can be asleep. We think of sleeping. This is how I was on Thursday after having lots and lots of turkey. It's also how I sometimes am if I drive into the night. I realized there was a time in my life, a season, that I had to drive to South Carolina for about a half an hour meeting and then I had to drive back to Kentucky. And I did that willingly well into my 20s. But there was one night in particular when the difference between being awake and being asleep became so blurred that I knew that could never happen again. My days of staying up all night to drive were done. My days of staying up all night to study were over with. We can be awake or we can be asleep. And it's not just Matthew that talks about being awake or asleep. Look at Mark. Therefore, keep awake. Because you don't know when the master of the house will come. In the evening or at midnight or at cockcrow or at dawn. The book of Revelation, that strange and mysterious book, reminds us, remember then what you have seen and heard. Obey it and repent. If you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I come to you. It's in the epistles, 1 Thessalonians 5, but you, beloved, are not in darkness, For that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light and of day. We are not of the night or of darkness. So then let us not fall asleep as others do. But let us keep awake and be sober. The Gospel of Luke. Blessed are those slaves whom the Master finds alert when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. When the church speaks of the coming of Jesus, we speak of that in the past, the present, the future. But we also speak of the coming of Jesus, and this is true with the history of interpretation of this passage, as a kind of double arrival. We believe in the linear nature of history, it has a beginning, we are somewhere in the middle, and it will come to a close. But history's close is not nearly so close to us as our own demise. And so since the early decades of the church, this text has been used to talk about two different comings of Jesus. One, the coming of Jesus for the individual when life is over. The world may endure 120,000 years, but I won't. Not in this present form. The world may endure until the sun explodes and the earth is no more, but not me in this body that I inhabit. For me there is a time when Jesus comes, when is almost a, a literal coming of this I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. So there's this coming, there's this parousia for the individual when life is over, and then for the whole world this coming of the Lord that we look forward to. Don't let anyone fool you into believing they know when this will occur. I suspect it's likely that the world may go on and civilizations may come and go before this time occurs or perhaps Tuesday morning. We don't know. Either when the end comes for us or when the end comes for the whole world. But the question is, will we be sleepy or will we be awake? Now, I like to sleep. And when my grandchildren are running around me and everybody's talking, I like to sleep. I can sleep then better than I can at night. I don't know why. There's something good and right and noble and just comfortable about it. But the question is, how are we living? Are we living the kind of life that is awake and alert? Are we living the kind of life that recognizes that God cares what we do and how we spend our recreation time and what it is that we have to say to the grumpy neighbor next door, and whether or not our resources should be stored up on earth or invested in heaven. God cares and it matters, but we've gotten sleepy. We've begun to think that it doesn't matter. We've become really comfortable exiles. We think this world is our home, and all of creation should cater to our own wants and needs. We've forgotten that the master who is gone will come again. We've yawned and we have forgotten that the God who made us redeems us and makes us whole. We have grown sleepy and our eyes have failed to see that all of our life is to be lived under the watchful gaze of a lord who created us who redeems us who holds us still and gives us life it is a fearful thing hebrews says to fall into the hands of the living god a modern poet has said yes But it's even more fearful not to be in His hands. Are you sleepy? Or are you alert? Are you prepared? Are you awake? Do you recognize God's special call on your life? Do you understand that the one who gave you this breath that you breathe is not satisfied? Until you are holy, whole, complete, watch, wait, and if you're sleeping, wake up. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.